It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Coming up on episode number 102 of a Trey and BK Thursday on the Night Talker. 1045, where are we at in society? We have another story involving someone who got caught fornicating with a farm animal. No, this wasn't in College Station. Good guess, though. At 10.30, we're talking functional strength and angry pirates. At 10.15, which Longhorns are the most indispensable on both sides of the ball this season? And coming up in seconds, I made a trip to the university co-op and discovered something very disappointing. I am your host, Trey Elling. You can follow me on Twitter at Courtesy Wave and do the same for ESPN Austin at 1027 ESPN. And at Brad Kellner is where you can find my broadcasting partner in crime. He and I do a live YouTube show every Monday through Friday from 12 to 1 on the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel. And oftentimes on this program going forward, you will hear some highlights from said show with myself and Brad Kellner. Just search Texas Sports Unfiltered on YouTube to watch that show live from noon to one, or you can catch it after the fact as well. And we started today's conversation with me paying visits to the university co-op. What is up, you two? Welcome in to another live edition of Trey and BK right here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. It is Thursday, August 31st, 20 and 23. We are just two days away from the Texas Longhorns opening up their 2023 season against the Rice Owls this Saturday at DKR Texas Memorial Stadium. We will continue to set the stage for Texas and Rice. We will talk about some of the big college football games that are happening tonight. That's right. Week one of the college football season gets going tonight. We've got a ranked team in action. We've got a couple of intriguing storylines from the games tonight that we will preview a little bit. Plus, where are we at in society? Conversations about the most indispensable players for this Texas Longhorn football team in 2023. We are locked. We are loaded. We are taking you all the way until 1 o'clock. I am here, and the great Trey Elling is here. What's going on, Trey? Oh, thank you for the greatness title. I appreciate that you're not just throwing it around leisurely like I do, BK. Uh, It's been a good day so far, and that included going over to campus for just a little bit earlier today. I uh, had to make a pit stop because my family and I made the executive decision. Reed, I asked my kids if they wanted to go to the game on Saturday despite the fact that mom and I are not thrilled at the prospect of sitting in the 100-degree heat to watch football. We could do so from the comfort of the AC of our house or maybe a house party. Kids said yes. Guess what? We're going to the game on Saturday. There will be four more people in the stands. But we've got to make sure that we are properly geared up and doing so. And Justine looked on Amazon. They didn't have the temporary Longhorn tattoos for kids' faces. So I went by the co-op to grab said tattoos And in doing so, I learned a couple of things. One, and you know this because you're a former student at UT, probably been to the co-op countless times, as have many people over the years. Just a tiny little nitpick here right now, BK. But the co-op no longer has the backdoor entrance into the store. No way. From the Guadalupe side now, which some people may think is not that big of a deal. That is a huge deal 
if you were coming from West Campus to be able to go into the co-op straight through that alley. Yeah, because they had that parking lot right behind there. So it was easy. You'd park your car in that garage or that parking lot and then just walk in through the back and it was all good. Exactly. Now you have to go through uh, Drag Rat Alley to get to the front side of the store and walk through the front doors. You know, it's not that big of a deal. It's an extra 50 steps or whatever. But just a little thing that uh, found that, that I found myself a little bit disappointed at because I was pulling on the two store uh, two doors that used to let you in and the signage wasn't above it anymore. And, and I realized that after the doors weren't opening and I was like, oh, wait, this isn't an entrance at this point. They've changed some things. So it's uh-huh. a funny thing, but uh, just be aware of that if you decide to go to the co-op either later today, tomorrow or before the game on Saturday. But so that's maybe the bad news about the uh, the trip to the co-op. The good news, though, and uh, something else that I learned in today's trip is that I am a sucker for a good-looking pair of Longhorn sneakers. And sure enough, oh, myself a new pair of the uh, the Air Tens or Air X. I don't know uh, what the what the kids <laughs> are saying these days that are uh, Longhorn inspired. So uh, not total burnt orange. You see a little bit of orange. Uh, on the inside, of course, and then the trim going on here. On the back, they have 1883 when the university was established. And I now know the uh, footwear that I will be sporting going to the game on Saturday. Yeah, they used to be called the Air Twitter, but now they're called the Air X. That is the change that was recently made when Elon Musk decided to buy the University of Texas. So uh, those are slick, man. I like those. Yeah. These At are the uh, co op. They're not cheap. They're over a hundred bucks. So just be aware it's going to hit the pocketbook just a little bit, but they are very comfortable. I haven't owned a pair of Nikes in a long time and it's nothing against Nike necessarily. It's just other shoes that I've found that uh, have been very comfortable. These Air Maxes are the real deal. So I'm thankful that the university has this partnership with Nike to, uh, to create such cool looking shoes. I do have to say though, because I asked a couple of people at the co-op and I know this has been a big to do this week, because those Embrace the Hate shirts were available at the co-op for a little bit. They are still no longer there. And according to the manager of the store, they will not be there going forward. That The athletics department, they put the kibosh on that. They're like, look, we do embrace the hate, but we are also not trying to encourage it in ways where uh, we, there's maybe some profiteering going on. But the manager was nice enough to let me know that just search Longhorns Embrace the Hate t-shirt. There are a uh, Plenty of mom and pop operations who are printing them up for us if we want one. That is so soft. It disappointed me a little bit to uh, to hear that too, but that's just the way that it is. You can't sit here and talk about embracing the hate, but then pull the shirts that say embrace the hate. Well, especially like because it's such a good seller too, by the way. Yeah. Like, let's look at the different levels of this. Like maybe this is unprofessional in that Brett Yormark sort of way. I don't consider it unprofessional at all. I I think that it is a great idea. It's a cool t-shirt and it's going to make you a boatload of money too. What's wrong here? Mm. Yeah, that's a shame, dude. Like you said, those shirts shirts were selling like crazy. They were taking off on social media and that would have been a hot ticket for Texas fans this year and moving forward too. It's not like people are going to stop hating Texas after 2023. Like there's always going to be hate for the university of Texas that will never change and embrace the hate. That's a great slogan. That's a great mantra that looks great on a t-shirt. And of course we're, we're too soft to 
actually embrace the hate. Come on, man. That's that's a buck off right there. I know it's the wrong show, but I'm giving a buck off to our athletic department for being Charmin Ultra Soft today. That's a shame. I know that uh, our buddy Murph does a great job with uh, with Longhorn Apparel and other schools too, by the way. Very smart of other schools to partner up with Last Stand Hats. I don't know. Are they in the t-shirt game? Because if so, that would be a huge moneymaker for them considering the reputation that they already have there. Yeah, maybe need to get that on a hat if nothing else. I know they've got the golf polos, which are awesome. But uh, shoot, there's there's a market there. Maybe we make it. A little Texas Sports Unfiltered logo and then embrace the hate. I don't know if we have the rights to the Longhorn logo, though. That that could be an issue. We don't we don't need the uh we don't need access to that. We can just put our logo on there, maybe like small and high up on the upper back and on the front. It just says embrace the hate. Or don't hate it. You hate. Don't hate it. Just make it burnt orange, a little white font. Exactly. Okay. We're on to something there. We are on to something there. Also, the big news from Texas Sports Unfiltered earlier today, we announced another addition to our great lineup, Mike Harge. That's right, that Mike Harge. He will be joining us starting next Monday, the new show, Hanging with Harge. It'll be every weekday from 11 a.m. to noon. Super excited about that. It'll be Harge. He'll have plenty of great conversations with fantastic guests. He'll be chopping it up with you people out there as well, and it's going to be an incredibly entertaining show. So really looking forward to that one starting next Monday. Really excited to have another great member on our team here at Texas Sports Unfiltered. You're listening to a Trey and BK Thursday on the Night Talker. Coming up, we will get into some actual football talk, discussing which Longhorns we deem as most indispensable on each side of the ball just two days before Texas kicks off the season against Rice. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Back with a Trey and BK Thursday on the Night Talker, where I am joined by my former and current broadcasting partner in crime, Brad Kellner. We do a live show weekdays, that's Monday through Friday from 12 to 1, on the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel. Just search Texas Sports Unfiltered on YouTube. And this show is often going to involve highlights with what we did earlier in the day, including this conversation on the most indispensable Longhorn football players on each side of the ball heading into 2023. All right, most indispensable? Trey, you brought this up to me right before we got on the air, so I'll kind of let you introduce what you had in mind for for this topic here. I was thinking about this while driving around this morning, BK. As a matter of fact, I may have uh, been crossing North Lamar, heading towards campus, heading towards the co-op, And it's specific to one guy for me in terms of like what it's going to take to beat Alabama, which is where this question came from. But the question is, I mean, it's a simple one. It's one that we uh, ask most years as we're heading into the season. Who is the most indispensable player on each side of the ball? And this uh, really started in terms of my thinking about it yesterday when we were discussing with Justin Wells David Benda and his ability to do the job at that other inside linebacker position, standing next to Jalen Ford, knowing that he is going to be hugely important in helping to stop the run in Tuscaloosa week two of the season. Alabama has some uncertainty at the quarterback position. And because of that, Nick Saban sees it. He's a smart dude, obviously one of the brightest football minds of all time perhaps the brightest in the history of college football, he is going to lean a little bit heavier 
on a power ground game this year. So Texas has to be ready for that. Because of that, and thinking about Benda's importance in that game, it made me realize that there is a most important guy on the defensive side of the ball, and that guy from EBK, it's not Benda. It's the guy that's standing next to him. It is Jalen Ford. I think that you have depth at pretty much every other position group on this football field, but if you lose Jalen Ford, all of a sudden you lose the strongest piece on a unit that is one of the few on either side of the ball that doesn't have great depth, especially with Maurice Blackwell out for a couple more weeks. Yeah, Jalen Ford feels like the safe answer there, right? I mean, he might be the best player on this Texas defense. He should have been the conference defensive player of the year back in 2022, and every Texas fan was pumped when we heard the news that uh, Ford was going to come back for another year on the 40 acres. So yeah, one of the captains of that defense right there in the middle of that defense, he is vastly important to the success of that group this year. Uh, I'm going to go a different direction though. I'm not going to disagree with you too much because once again, you you laid it out perfectly. Jalen Ford is tremendously important to this defense this year. I'm going to go with Baron Sorrell. I don't think Baron Sorrell is as good of a player as Jalen Ford is. And I promise I'm not just saying this because Baron's father was watching our video and commenting in the chat a couple of days ago. Jeez, but no offense, Barry. I don't I no offense. I was giving him love. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I'm being nice. I'm being well, nice. There was a bit there was a bit of a backhanded compliment there, but then again, you're comparing him to Jalen Ford and their productivity last year. So I, I understand what you were saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's I guess yeah, it was a little bit of a backhand. Sorry about that. But um, look, I, I don't think Texas has much depth at the edge either. I, I really don't. Like they don't at linebacker, but like I'm not sure about the number two edge rusher on this Texas football team. Like I think it's going to be Ethan Burke. That's the expectation is that he is going to get the start opposite of Baron Sorrell in that game tomorrow, tomorrow Saturday. But I don't really know what Ethan Burke is as a college football player. And then after that, you know, Colton Vosick, Justice Finkley, Jamon Tapp, Christopher Ross. Uh, I'm like, I, I don't know really anything about any of those dudes. So uh, maybe Anthony Hill ends up being an edge rusher. Obviously, you would you would think that would help the five star kid. The excitement level around him is sky high, and I can't wait to see what he does on the football field. But uh, I'm going to go with Baron Sorrell, man. He is the most established, proven edge rusher on this Texas team. I think edge is the most important position on any defense, right? Don't get me wrong. Everything's important. You need all 11 guys to be good to have a great defense. But the guy who pins his ears back and gets after the quarterback is the most important guy to try to ruin an opposing team's game plan. Texas needs to have a good pass rush this year. To do that, I think they need to have Baron Sorrell on the field this year. I like that answer a lot, BK. And uh, question here, maybe the people can help out with this if you don't know the answer. Has something happened to Justice Finkley? Because I'm looking at the Our Lads Texas Longhorns depth chart, and they're usually pretty accurate on things. I don't see Justice Finkley's name anywhere uh, across the defensive line. And I know he is more of an edge rusher than anything. A couple weeks ago, he was considered Sorrell's backup. So, I'm not sure if he's buried on the depth chart now or maybe there's an injury issue that I just have not heard of just yet. But uh, not having Justice Finkley in the mix is a bit of a disappointment. Yeah, it is. He didn't hit the portal or anything, did he? I don't believe so. But uh, again, I do not see his name on this depth chart here. Interesting. Okay, well, scratch that name from the list. And that means Texas has even less depth on the edge right now. So, yeah, Sorrell, look, I'm hoping he builds off of his five-and-a-half sack season that he had last year. I expect him to. Uh, but, yeah, that Texas needs him on the field, man. They don't have a ton 
of proven commodities at edge. And Terrell is one of the few that they do have. So need that guy healthy throughout the course of the year. All right, let's switch over to the offense now, BK. I'm going to give you first option here. So I have to do some creative thinking if need be, if you and I have the same guy. Who is the most indispensable piece on offense for you right now? Am I allowed to pick the quarterback? Sure you are. Of course it's the quarterback. There's there's no debate here. I disagree with that. So maybe there is a debate. No, there's not. You're going to be wrong, but I'm excited to hear you try to make the case for Kelvin Banks or somebody like that. But Quinn Ewers, man, like he's he's the guy. He's indispensable. Blake Murphy has played zero college football. Arch Manning has played zero college football. Well, I do feel like the future of this Texas program is in good hands, and I think those guys both have the chance to be really, really good in their college careers. If something happens to Quinn Ewers, cancel Christmas. Sorry. like They're not winning against Alabama in Week 2. They're not winning the Big 12. They're not having a double-digit win season. Like All of the optimism that every Longhorn fan has two days away from the start of the year goes away if something happens to the starting quarterback. So it's the lowest hanging fruit, of course. Oh, well done, BK. They really pay you for this? No, I pay me for this now, so shut up. Easy to pick the quarterback as the most important player on the team, but he is the most important. He's the most indispensable. He is the guy that Texas absolutely cannot lose if this team is to do what we all hope that it does. You say cancel Christmas. I say Merry Malikmas, BK. Don't, uh, <laughs> don't discount what Malik Murphy or Arch Manning might be able to do because the rest of the team around them is so very good. And that gets into a guy that I consider most indispensable because of the potential drop off at level of play for such an important position. That would be Kelvin Banks Jr. Like, I know that the Texas offensive line depth is getting better, but you lose Kelvin Banks Jr., even with Quinn Ewers in there, this may become a drastically different se- uh, different season. Is that going to happen? I don't think so. I hope not. I'm knocking on wood right now to ensure that I'm not jinxing anything for the football gods out there. But uh, Kelvin Banks Jr. is insanely talented. He proved it as a true freshman last year. There's a reason why he's going to be a top-10 NFL draft pick in all likelihood in 2025 after his junior season. And I I love what Flood and Sarkeesian are doing with the offensive line, the direction it's headed in. But uh, you are still at a point right now where you're not necessarily uh, backing a uh, five-star freshman All-American with another five-star who has those same capabilities just yet. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not going to argue against Kelvin Banks being incredibly important. And I don't think you're alone with that sentiment, by the way. I think there are a ton of Texas fans who would agree with you there. I mean, that guy is the best player on this offense, I think. And it's crazy to think about it because he's only going into his true sophomore year and you've got plenty of more experienced guys on that side of the football. But now, left tackle, super important position. I talk about the edge rusher being the most important position on defense, right? The guy who gets after the opposing quarterback. Well, you need guys to protect your own team's quarterback. And Kelvin Banks is one of the best in the country at doing that. So, yeah, now if if something happens to him, uh, I'll knock on wood again. Texas is in some serious, serious trouble. So, so let's just uh, let's just say nobody gets hurt this year, right? Not just the guys we mentioned, but uh, nobody on the team gets injured at all this season. That'd be nice. Fingers crossed. And Texas has done a pretty good job of avoiding that in fall camp, and we are very thankful th- about that. With the exception of the previously mentioned Maurice Blackwell, it seems like they are very healthy on both sides of the ball. So unfortunately, that one injury is at the position group where you can probably afford it the least. But I think this is a testament to Tory Becton's 
strength and conditioning program and how he has these guys in the right sort of shape to really withstand the rigors of a sport that is very unforgiving physically. Yeah, that's well said. Uh, I think Tory Becton deserves a lot of credit for how healthy this Texas team has been this year. Look, some of it's luck. I understand that. Sure. But uh, Texas, for the most part, has avoided the catastrophic injury health. They've avoided injuries in general for the most part in fall camp, as you mentioned. But, um, yeah, the catastrophic injury was not there for this group. And the strength and conditioning coach and coaches, they spend more time with the team than anybody else, right? Like they're allowed to meet more with the players in the spring and in the summer and in the winter than the actual coaching staff itself. So, uh, yeah, kudos to Tory Becton and his team for, uh, for doing a pretty good job making sure these guys are fresh and ready to go for Saturday. It is crazy how much the uh, the science of fitness and off-season training has advanced over the last five to ten years now, where you really have strength and conditioning programs that are doing a much better job of catering to functional movements, essentially, and making you stronger at those movements that will be a part of your routine when you're actually back on the field of play versus the old school method where it's like crank out this many bench press reps. This may have been the end of the Mac Brown era too, if you really think about it and some of the uh, pec tears that were happening. You're listening to a Trey and BK Thursday on the Night Talker where I replay some highlights from the live show that I do on YouTube with Brad Kellner each and every weekday, Monday through Friday from 12 to 1. You can access that show live or after the fact by searching Texas Sports Unfiltered on YouTube and finding that day's recording. Coming up... More football conversation, and we get back into the idea of strength and conditioning and functional strength, as well as angry pirates. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Back with a Trey and BK Thursday on the Night Talker, where I play highlights from the weekday YouTube show that I do with Brad Kellner. That's right, Midday with Trey and BK is back on YouTube. We're live from 12 to 1 every Monday through Friday. And, of course, you can catch the video after the fact as well by going to YouTube and searching Texas Sports Unfiltered. Here's more highlights from today's broadcast, specifically talking about strength and conditioning programs and functional strength. It's not just about doing squats either, by the way. Like you do, some days need to be that strength training or that resistance training, that weight training, if you will. But sometimes you need to work on the explosiveness without that additional weight because you start to see injury issues come into play there too. Yeah, I just remember like when Charlie was coaching here, the guys weren't doing squats and it's just like, what, what, what is going on here, coach? I mean, you're, you're like the most jacked coach in college football. Like, if there's one thing I would think you would get right is the strength and conditioning program. You would know what to do with that. Just look in a mirror. Like, come on, that that's you. And Texas couldn't figure that out, which is incredibly frustrating. There's actually different levels of squats, too, that can help out. Like, LeBron James took a lot of crap. This would have been a couple of years ago now when he posted a workout video of himself and he was doing seated squats essentially to where he wasn't always he wasn't going uh, ass to grass if uh, that term makes sense to you BK ass, ass he was literally grass. sitting sitting on a platform where his legs were 90 degrees and going back up and people were really critical of him for that 
But the counter to that criticism is that when you're talking about jumping in basketball, yes, the full range of motion is important and you want to train the full range of motion strength-wise to a degree. But in basketball, the the most common position that you're going down to to jump back up is essentially that seated position. So that's why he was doing a little bit of extra in the way of strength training from the seated position standing straight up too. Does this count as one of those that just do three reps right there? It looks like you're uh, you're working your sacrum out right now. I don't I don't see a whole lot of leg work going in there. It looks like you're maybe like flexing your your QL in the lower back area. What is a QL? What is it? Oh, sacre. Do we really want to get into this right now? It's nice. it's that muscle that goes along your spine, basically yeah. from just below your mid back all the way down to your hips, and it's. Damn. Typically, the area of the back that causes people the most problems. Hmm. What was the other thing you said? Sphincter? Not doing, not doing any of that stretching going on, man. It's very close to the sphincter. It's the uh, the sacrum. Hmm. Ah, yes, of course. Take your hands, sit on top of your hands to where your palm is is basically um, cupping your boys. And if you oh. if you push all of your fingers up, push all your fingers up. Yeah, I'm not the, doing this. Are you doing this right now? As we speak, right now. Yeah, you are, dude. You're on camera too. Keep that camera pointed up at your face, please. It's staying pointed at my face, but I am pushing my fingers up, and the uh, what you feel muscle wise right there with that pointer, and then that ring finger. That's around where the sacrum is. Is that the gooch? Oh, <laughs> ew. Come on, Deshaun Watson. Don't be doing that. Okay, Cody is asking the same question, too. What the hell is the gooch? The gooch. You know, the area in between the, you know, the sack and the star-shaped hole back there. Oh, uh, oh gosh. What is the medical term for that? I think it's taint. Taint. There we go. Is that actually? <laughs> oh God! Uh, did you ever do the thing when you like? You know, you're married now, which I don't know if that means you are having intercourse or not. I know you've had it at least twice because you've had two kids. Yes, but, but you like we're you're in a cold stretch, a little bit of a dry spell. You just sit on your hand until it fell asleep, and then you would, and then it would feel like somebody else was doing it. You know what I'm talking you're, about? You're talking about the stranger. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what it's called? That's what it's called. No, I, I've never done that before. That always struck me as one of those things that was uh, funny in theory that would be very difficult to actually execute. Yeah, not that difficult. Heard it from a friend. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't know. But like the Angry that. Pirate? Do you know what the Angry Pirate is? Should I pull up the uh, Urban Dictionary? I'm not going to explain that one to these people. I realize we're on filter <laughs> now, but even I have my limits. So I, I'm going to avoid that. But yes, go to Urban Dictionary and look up Angry Pirate. It Ugh. is a hilarious idea. But there's no way in hell somebody has ever done this before. <laughs> if it's too much for you, then it's definitely too much for anybody else because you're about as unfiltered as it gets, right? Nothing phases you. If this thing even phases you, then I know it's bad. 
oh, there's times where we, we will be talking about something. It happened yesterday, as a matter of fact. And after the show, I'm like, I probably went even over the unfiltered line there. Yeah. This is this is one of those things that even for me right now, I know that that's over the line. So I'm going to stop myself. Are you looking at Urban Dictionary? No. Okay. I am now. <laughs> what, am, what am I looking up? Donkey Punch? Alaskan Pipeline? I don't know what that is. Angry Pirate. Angry can ooh active wow okay like the kick in the shin and run away and as you look back she looks like an angry pirate like okay that very funny yeah. idea there in a very masochistic sort of way but come on all of these things are not happening in a row even if you <laughs> pull the first one off the first part of that equation off you mean to tell me that you're going to kick her in the shin after that? Mm. You sicko, you physical abuser, you. Yeah. He's doing that. Is that that's, an eye patch on that mantle behind you? What's that? Is that an eye patch on that mantle behind you? Right here? Yeah. Her? No. Above there. Oh, right there? Yeah. No, that's uh, select works of Kurt Vonnegut. Yeah, uh, it looks like an eye patch to me. I don't know. Maybe you've got some experience with this thing. I no, because that's not <laughs> my style. I'm not an abuser like that. Oh God! All right, also not somebody who's looking to humiliate. Uh, I know my only partner at this point is my wife. I'm not looking to humiliate my part, my partner, my wife, any more than the humiliation of her actually being with me intimately. Yeah, you're right. That is already cruel and unusual punishment. Like it's uh, she's got a bill of rights claim against you, I think, if she ever wants because of what you put her through on a daily basis. Oh, My goodness! No. I mean, look, we're we're both crying when we're done with coitus. I mean, you know, you love <laughs> tears of joy, but they're uh, they're tears of shame for her, and tear they are tears of happiness for me that I actually have duped somebody into that from time. Oh ago. man! Look, I know the Kansas jokes; they come easy, even for you as a Jayhawks fan. But people should watch this Kansas football team this year because they truly do have one of the most talented players on offense. Uh, at any position, but certainly at quarterback in the Big 12. And Lance Leopold, there aren't many brighter offensive minds in this sport, in my opinion, right now at the college level. I have no idea what to expect from Kansas this year. I really don't. Like, Lance Leopold teams generally get better linearly. Like, you go back to what he did at Buffalo in the first couple of years were bad, and then once he kind of figured it out and started making bowl games, his teams just continued to make bowl games. But, like, last year was ridiculous man like it just came out of nowhere and i was excited about the leipold hire and i knew kansas had some talent but it's like i'm just so programmed with what has happened to that team over the last 10 15 years to assume that they're going to suck so i'm going to assume that they're going to take a step back this year and not make a bowl game i don't think they'll be the worst team in the big 12 like they have been forever before last year but like I, I, I don't expect them to get to that six win number. They sure as hell aren't going to start five and zero again this year like they did last year. That was freaking nuts. What are their first five games this year? By the way, at some point this year, I will start getting uh, Leipold correct. I believe I said Leopold a little bit earlier. But you agree with me though that offensively he is as just about as innovative as it gets right now. Correct? Yeah, yeah. He's done a great job, man. And their OC uh, Andy Kotelnicki is his name. Kind of a weird one, but. Just He had the Midas touch with that offense last year, and a big part of why Jalen Daniels is the uh, preseason Big 12 player of the year is because of that dude was able to find a way to maximize his talent. 
Did you just say Andy Turtlenecky? I realized I got Leipold's <laughs> name wrong, but come on, man. Call the oh. OC by his last name, Turtlenecky. <laughs> now that's Davis Mills, I think, is Turtlenecky. <laughs> that's what they call that dude. My God, that thing is ginormous, man. Texans fans are excited not to have to see that this year. Uh, first five games for Kansas. I did record a, a preseason video with the KU reporter for Bleacher Report, and I haven't posted it yet, and I'm not sure I'm going to post it because I don't know if anybody cares. It was more for me, just wanting to hear about Kansas football than anybody else. But uh, Missouri State, Illinois. That's a winnable game. At Nevada. Winnable game. Mormons. Very winnable game. At Texas. Uh, yeah, sorry. Five and and oh right there, huh? Five and oh not happening this year, Kansas. What we're gonna lose to the Kansas freaking Jayhawks. What are we? 21 Texas <laughs> or 16 Texas? <laughs> uh no, I don't think it's gonna happen this year. Texas put a pretty good whooping on the Hawks. Well, this is the two year. losses, right? I'm not forgetting a third loss in the last seven years, am I? No, no, there were some close ones, but uh, no, those this are the, the Cameron two. Cameron game, yeah. Thank yeah. God that one wasn't a loss. God, what a disaster that would have been. They've had a couple of close ones up there in Lawrence, too, last year notwithstanding. So, uh, hey, the hope is, for me, uh, I guess it'd be better for Texas, too, if Kansas comes into that game 4-0, but it's a possibility that both teams are 4-0. It's probably more likely that Kansas is 4-0 than Texas is 4-0, just because Kansas doesn't have to play in Tuscaloosa the second week of the season. You're listening to a Trey and BK Thursday on the Night Talker, where oftentimes I am replaying highlights from the daily Trey and BK happening through the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel. It's live from 12 to 1 each weekday as well as available after the fact. Just go to YouTube, search Texas Sports Unfiltered. You can find that. Bucky and BK, Chip and Zay and a whole lot more. Coming up one more segment where we will eventually get to a very grotesque where are we at in society. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Final segment of a Trey and BK Thursday on the Night Talker. It begins with us talking about the Baylor Bears and then also discussing the worst football teams in the Big 12 this year. And yes, we do eventually get to where we at in society. It's an interesting September slate for Texas. I mean, everyone's focused on the Alabama game. I get it. It's Rice this weekend, but everyone's focused on the Alabama game. But you're right. It's uh, it's an interesting opening to conference play for this team because you're, you've talked about Baylor a lot, man. People are sleeping on Baylor this year. I don't know what Baylor is this year, right? I talk about not knowing what Kansas is. I don't know what Baylor is because, I mean, two years ago they were playing in a Sugar Bowl and they won the freaking Big 12, and it looked like Dave Aranda was like the next great Baylor coach. And God – Baylor pisses me off so much, Trey, for so many different reasons, mainly the off-the-field-slash-court issues that they perennially have, some Christian university they are. Uh, but the fact that, like, you know, Texas just can't find a football coach, and hopefully we found one with Sark, but the jury is still out a little bit, of course. The fact that, like, they just go from Bryles, and it's like, oh, man, they got a, a big-time punishment. They had to lose Bryles, who was their best coach in school history. It's like they're never going to get back here. Well, then they, they bring in Matt Rule, 
And like within two years, he's got them winning 10 games. And then he goes and takes a job in the NFL. And then they bring in Dave Aranda. And then within two years, they're winning 12 games in his second season. It's like, what? what's in the water here, man? What are we doing wrong here? All right, let's try this then, because I agree with you. There's a there's a lot in the way of question marks as to which tier each team belongs in, but I feel like there are a handful of teams that we can state with a lot of certainty they are going to be the worst teams in the conference this year, right? Like yeah. West Virginia is one of those teams for me. I think West Virginia is going to be trash this year. I think that Houston is not going to be very good. We talked about that with Big 12 Phil Collins and his flippant comments towards Texas yesterday, (laughs) a Dana Holgerson coming in the air tonight. But in my opinion, without question, the worst team in the conference this year is going to be Iowa State, in part because of guys who are going to be missing at least parts, if not all of the season because of the gambling thing. Like Hunter Deckers isn't a great quarterback necessarily, but he was an okay quarterback last year. Let's remember, Hunter Deckers put Iowa State into a position to beat Texas here in Austin last season. If his injured receiver had come up with that ball that was thrown downfield on the money to usually an easy easy catch, was that Xavier Hutchison yeah. that, uh, that screwed that one up? Yeah, mm-hmm. that, we got very lucky in that game as a result. But without Hunter Deckers in play, so okay quarterback option, they're relying on a redshirt freshman and a true freshman for their first and second team reps right now. Wow. Yeah, Iowa State is probably in that mix because we just don't know who's going to play for them this year. Uh, Houston, Cincinnati, West Virginia, Iowa State, that's probably your bottom four. Is Cincinnati going to be bad this year? I don't know anything about them other than Fickle obviously leaving. Yeah, I mean, they got in Satterfield from Louisville, who I don't think is a very good coach. I don't think he did a good job at Louisville, and that felt like a lateral move too. All, All very confusing. But they lost a lot. They only have three starters back on offense. Uh, Emory Jones, I think, is their quarterback, the Arizona State transfer. Oh, yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know. I think they're going to be bad. Um, even though they won nine games last year, if you look at their record, you're like, well, how are they going to be one of the worst teams? But big step up in class. They lost a lot. I don't trust the coach. It's year one. I think they're in that mix, too. So that's probably your bottom four, I would think, for the uh, for the Big 12 this year. But who knows? I'm sure we'll be way off on that. Because uh, I think uh, K-State was picked to finish pretty low and they ended up winning the conference. So who knows how this thing will play out. Right now, it is time for Where Are We At In Society Today? That's right, BK. It is our regular look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction. Very occasionally, I will give you a story that provides a sense of optimism. that has us all saying to ourselves, hey, Maybe we as a people are starting to figure something out. Perhaps all is not lost, but sadly, especially because we had one of those positive stories earlier this week, today <laughs> is not that day. And we go to, although it sounds like a story straight out of College Station, we go to Great Britain for today's Where Are We At story. And I'm just going to read the TMZ headline for you. Man pleads guilty to sex with baby cow, dot, dot, dot. DNA left at the scene. 25-year-old Liam Brown, which is a very British name, pled guilty this week to, brace yourselves, kids. Actually, if you have kids in the car, seriously, like go back and listen to this a little bit later. 25-year-old Liam Brown pled guilty this week to sexual penetration with a living animal 
and causing unnecessary suffering to a protected animal during a hearing at a British court. Oh, that's when he was doing it at the court? He was there for a hearing for something else, and he brought a cow in there and started going after it? That would be very aggressive. No, uh, I guess the commas weren't accentuated well enough. He pled guilty at the court to sexual penetration with a living animal and causing unnecessary suffering to said protected animal. This reportedly all stems from an incident last summer when Brown was caught. Come on now, guys. Brown handed doing the deed with a young calf on a farm in the town of Burton. Apparently, this was not Brown's own baby cow, but rather another farmer's baby cow. And this farmer had set some booby traps to catch Brown in the act. Do cows have boobies? I guess they do. That's where you milk them, right? I've never heard udders called boobies, but I have heard boobies called udders. Hmm. So maybe okay. I have to I'll have to fact check that. I'll I'll talk to my animal guy after this. The farmer had been suspecting for a while that their cows were being fornicated with. So they installed a bunch of alarms and surveillance cameras to catch whoever TMZ's words, not mine, banging the livestock in the dead of night. Eventually, Brown crept onto the property, triggered the system, was caught on tape, and apprehended. Now, the worst part of this story is if... There's worse? With farm animals is not the worst part of the story. This is according to the TMZ article, so I reserve judgment. Uh, The farmers say they know this guy from many years ago. The farmer told the court that members of Brown's family had actually been employed by them several years ago. So they had been familiar with this guy from childhood. Can you imagine knowing a kid from childhood and finding out that that child has grown up to a young adult to be somebody who sneaks onto somebody else's property to bang their animals? That's pretty embarrassing for Brown. Is that not how you get milk? It's not how that works. No, not by sexually penetrating baby calves. That is not how you uh, get milk. Mm. This is disgusting, man. What's the punishment for this cat? Do we know? Um, Should be 25 to life. Sentencing is next month. Um, sentencing was decided as far as the time frame as Brown sat in court sobbing, as you should be doing if you get caught fornicating with animals and being shamed publicly for it, which you should also be shamed publicly if you are banging animals. But the question becomes, how were prosecutors able to prove that it was, in fact, Brown without a reasonable doubt? Well, yes, DNA, as the title suggested. The report says samples from the cow were collected, and they matched Brown's profile. Mm. They interviewed the cow. Did the cow have anything to say about what's going on here? Yeah, can you please not cotton swab back there? I realized there was a uh, crime committed, but that doesn't feel very good. <laughs> that was Is the comment. Maybe a silver lining to this story, BK. It's maybe that Brown at least didn't try an angry pirate these cows. 
Oh, God. This is the worst. Now, what do they say? Turnabout is fair play. So the punishment for this dude is he should have to receive from a horse. That's his punishment. Because that would probably kill him. And I'm cool with this guy no longer being alive on this planet after hearing that story. There are actually documented cases of people trying that with horses and ending up with severe internal injuries, if not dead. So it is possible that if that's what the court called for, that Brown would not be around for much longer. Mm. Goodness. What but a I'm story. I'm suggesting that that should be the punishment. The guy just needs to spend a lot of time in jail. Wow. What a story. Yeah. That was uh, the opposite of uplifting. That was the opposite of making me feel good about where we are as a society. Look, it's also a PSA to uh, all A&M fans out there (laughs) around college station. If you do this, there may very well be consequences. So stop doing it. Yeah. I realize that cow and sheep or cows and sheep or maybe uh, apples to oranges as it were, but still very similar levels. Both are still fruits. Yeah. Both of these things are still considered bestiality. Yeah, gross. We've been dating that sheep for a matter of months, if not years. <laughs> gross. We're done. All right, another episode is in the books. Thank you so much for hanging out. It has been a Trey and BK Thursday on the Night Talker, which is essentially playing some highlights from the live show that BK and I do every day. That's Monday through Friday, 12 to 1 on the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel. Just search Texas Sports Unfiltered on YouTube to watch the show live from 12 to 1 or check it out after the fact. Talk to you tomorrow at 10. In the meantime, have yourselves a great rest of the night and sweet dreams. It's the Night Talker with Trey Ellings.